Welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. I'm here to welcome you into the world of orgasmic living by hosting experts to discuss orgasmic topics such as nutrition, spirituality, personal development, sexuality, and much more. Here, we will offer lifestyle lessons that can help you lead a fulfilling, joyous, and orgasmic lifestyle. I'm your guide, Venus O'Hara. Welcome to this bonus third quarter moon episode of the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. This episode is sponsored by the author, Lawrence Anderson. I had the honor of meeting Lawrence earlier this year, and he has asked me to read a chapter from his book, What Owen Didn't Know. It's a beautiful short story with a lifelong lesson. Here is one of the many five-star Amazon reviews that it has received, and it sums it up perfectly. You could read this book in an hour or so but you'll be referencing and reflecting on its wisdom for a very long time. It's a story. A story that was engaging from the first paragraph. The pace was brisk, but not so brisk as to trip. The prose had beautifully light, restrained touch. Because the characters were engaging and likeable. In them, and through them, wisdom about what's important in life, and in relationships, shone through. This is not a self-help book, but it will help those who self-reflect on it. This is not a weighty story, but there is nothing light about the thought in it. Please keep writing, Mr. Anderson. The world needs your storytelling style to help it reflect on the powerful models you describe. Models that will enrich life's meaning. So without further ado, get relaxed, listen and enjoy. Chapter 6. Romance Owen called to Rose's house in Glasnevin. He came bearing gifts, as he had cancelled drinks the night before at short notice. Rose was unsure whether she should blame Owen or N.T. for the countless dates they missed. Tristan Precious Metals had been served a tax demand, and Owen had been summoned to help put out the fire. Raspberry scones and sunflowers in hand, he knocked on the door and was genuinely sorry. Rose found it hard to be upset when he apologised like this, but it still made her feel a little insecure. Did Owen really love her? Owen's college podcast had been listened to a few thousand times, which made Rose happy for him. Yet she couldn't help but register the irony of his nascent status as a motivational guru being sabotaged by his job the night before. Never mind. It was a beautiful spring day. After enjoying coffee and scones, they headed out for a walk in the nearby botanic gardens. Wandering aimlessly along the garden pathways, they lost themselves in nature's beauty. After a leisurely hour, They sat on a wooden bench, facing rows of tulips that swayed in the light breeze. The sun was warm, accentuating the scent of freshly cut grass. Owen was daydreaming as he marvelled at the majesty of an oak tree. How edifying, firmly rooted, standing strongly, yet in harmony with everything around it. An oak tree gives so generously, 
it asks for no more than is necessary. Improving with time, its roots deepening, its shelter broadening, its splendor flourishing. He thought of Rose. She was as delicate as the tulips, yet had the character of a great oak, warm yet strong, a compelling combination. He wondered what part he played in life's great garden. A bee spreading ideas? Not very noble, but helpful. Helpful will do. After a few minutes, Rose broke the tranquility and asked Owen why he worked so hard. He wasn't sure whether she was annoyed or inquisitive. He chose the more benign interpretation. I wouldn't take work so seriously if it wasn't helpful. I have a theory on why work is so worthy. Rose raised an eyebrow. Owen had theories for everything, and she sure was curious to hear how Owen would rationalise, being constantly at NT's beck and call. For a man that liked to keep his options open, it was incongruent that he would give up so much of his diary to a faceless firm. You know, five euros, a fiver. Well, work gives me the fivers. Rose knew this was only the opener. It couldn't be just about the cash. Owen elaborated. You need your fivers, and we all know that while money can't buy us happiness, it sure as hell buys us a better class of misery. We all have core needs. Certain universal needs are deeply rooted in the human psyche. If your work is interesting and you're doing well at it, then it satisfies a surprisingly large number of our psychological needs. Owen smiled. There was a mischievous yet endearing glint in his eye. Rose knew he wasn't finished. Specifically, my work at NT gives me relevance, rootedness, relationships, respect and respite. I hadn't grasped why people become workaholics until I discovered a book called What Makes Us Tick by Hugh McKay. McKay explores 10 desires that drive us. Interesting work provides at least half of them. That's when I came up with the five R's. Five R's, he repeated slowly for effect, subtly separating the two words. Typical Owen, the linguistic gymnast at play. Taking a small black notebook from his pocket, he showed Rose a label on the cover on which he had written Book 12, along with his name and mobile number. You've got 12 of these. Some people take pride in delayed gratification. Owen found joy in random revelation. I've been keeping notes of interesting things that occurred to me for a while now. But you're pretty tech-savvy. What's with the old-school pen and paper? I'm not sure. I just think it's better. The way that a real book is better than the Kindle. And it doesn't need a battery. Rose could relate to that. She loved books, including the way they felt and smelt. The tried and the true beats the bold and the new, added Owen, improvising from the subtitle of an investment book he had read years before. He leafed through his notebook until he found what he was looking for, 
and handed it to Rose. It was a page with two columns. On the left-hand side was McKay's five desires, and on the right, Owen had written his 5R overlay that read as follows. The desire to be useful. Relevance. The desire to belong. Rootedness. The desire to connect. Relationships. The desire to be taken seriously. Respect. The desire for my place. Respite. Rose read it carefully and pondered for a while. She got great fulfillment from her own work, but had never given it too much thought. Rose saw Owen's point of view, and yet his obsession with billable hours didn't seem balanced. She thought some more, for what seemed like a long time, then looked directly at Owen and asked, What about love? Surely that's core to what makes us tick? Owen was silent. Rose had set the synapses in his brain scurrying. He took a moment to think. Hmm, I guess that's romance. The six R's doesn't have the same resonance. He was deflecting. She knew she had stirred something. She probed. Surely love and romance are not the same? She had touched a delicate subject. Owen could talk freely for hours about most things and all day on money matters. But love? Love was a big word. Love was the question with no answer. The hairs were rising on Owen's neck. Truth is, he was falling in love. And so was Rose. A sun shower broke through. The gardens glistened, wet with rain. They kissed in the quiet mist. That day in the garden was the start of a new phase in Rose and Owen's relationship. They were going deeper into the true things that he had alluded to on their very first encounter. Both were acutely attuned to the difference between those people who bring energy and those who detract from it. Every time they met, they felt energized. Their conversations were vibrant, yet harmonious, like birds flying in formation. Owen was frequently taken with how Rose would do things quietly in the background, rarely, if ever, revealing her accomplishments. When younger, Rose learned to play the mouth organ with the dexterity of Bob Dylan got to a green belt in karate, and was an accomplished swimmer. Owen reckoned that if Rose ever wrote a book, she would use a pen name, self-publish, and just put it out there, not caring if whether anyone noticed. The simple things, the true things, the silent women who do things. Though the poet Robert Frost had written of the silent men who do things, Owen observed that women seemed far more likely to be the silent achievers. They arrived at Owen's rented two-storied townhouse in Sandy Cove. It was Rose's first visit. Instead of using a key to gain entry, he tapped what looked like a five-digit code onto a small touchpad 
that blended in with the red brick facade. Rose glanced inquisitively, without staring. The cube of 23, Owen confided, and in they went. The first thing Rose noticed was the smell of fresh linen, accentuating the clean yet comfortable layout of the ground floor. They walked through an open hallway into the kitchen at the back of the house, where Owen opened a bottle of red wine. He poured two glasses and invited Rose into the adjacent sitting room, where he proceeded to light a fire that he had prepared in advance. The townhouse was built in the 60s, when open fires were the norm. Fire lighters, kindling, some coal and two logs were neatly stacked, awaiting the match that he struck to give it life. Few things are as inviting as an open fire. Rose sat on a deep, four-seater couch that faced the fire. The fabric was a comfortable fern-green velvet. A painting with a kaleidoscope of colour hung over the mantelpiece. Hypnotic, it complemented the colour scheme of the room. Barely visible on the bottom right-hand corner were the initials A.H. It had been painted by his mum. Owen sat into a single wing chair beside the fireplace so they could chat more naturally and he could tend to the fire. Rose asked about the combination to the front door. She was curious about where the cube of 23 came from. Owen explained how 23 was an interesting number, that most human cells have 23 pairs of chromosomes, making 23 the perfect combination generator. His lock needed a five-digit code. 23 times 23 times 23 got him to... 12,167. Rose smiled, wondering, who thinks like this? I appreciate this may appear odd, but it's memorable. For me, and now for you, 12167 is an easy number to find your way back to. Remember Russell Crowe in the movie A Beautiful Mind? He played John Nash, the mathematician who was obsessed with the number 23, and with good reason. Look up the 23 Enigma on Wikipedia when you have some time to kill. Two films have been made about it. A German movie called 23 and a Jim Carrey film, The Number 23. The average cycle of our physical biorhythms is 23 days. I don't believe in numerological theories, but the power of linking is a great way of remembering things. Michael Jordan wore the number 23 and David Beckham switched to 23 when he joined Real Madrid. This was the first sporting reference Rose had ever heard from Owen. I didn't think you were a sports fan. Owen rarely, if ever, watched sport on TV. He was afraid of the time it would take from other things, and didn't want to identify himself with some team over which he had no control. I'm not, but I like sporting analogies and metaphors. They make concepts more concrete. Jesus, Owen, lighten up. Sorry, one of my less useful default settings. There you go again. Sorry. This was partly what attracted Rose to Owen. It's like there were two versions of him. A slightly nerdy, yet sophisticated, driven and ambitious Owen. 
while beneath the bonnet lay a vulnerable, kind kid who hadn't quite found his true place in the world. He asked if it was okay to put on some music. Of course. Because they shared Spotify playlists, he knew what music she liked and had created a playlist that he knew she would enjoy. Before pressing play, he looked at her and said, Remember our walk in the garden when I was talking about the five R's and you gently pointed out what I might be missing? Well, I think about that day a lot and this is the song that I keep coming back to. A few seconds later, she could hear a musical intro, a melodic instrumental arrangement that introduced the distinctive voice of Van Morrison coming through in stereo through a set of Bose speakers overhead. The speakers were set into the ceiling directly above the velvet couch where Rose sat. The Morrison song that Owen was so taken with was In the Garden. It evoked a garden scene where the fields were wet with rain and the singer is captivated by a rapturous creature who holds the key to her soul. This song stirred something in Owen. Rose was the most beautiful creature he had ever encountered. She had the key to his soul, and it didn't need a five-digit combination. He took off his shoes and asked her if it was okay if he came to lie on the couch alongside her. Sure. Making his way to the couch, he removed her shoes and gently lifted her legs onto the long couch. She shuffled in, and he lay alongside her. They glanced in each other's eyes, and could almost taste the anticipation. Before then, they may have bared their souls, but not their bodies. It started with just one touch. Intoxicating, inviting, anticipatory, sensitive, Tentative, testing for more. Electricity pulsing in the millimetres between their waiting lips as they slowly undressed each other. Blouse button for shirt button. Jeans button for jeans button. Each taking turns until they lay there in just their underwear. Their bodies barely visible by the flickers of the fire emerging in sync with Van Morrison's soft tones. Rose's shoulders were perfectly formed, her fragrance soothing. She wore matching white underwear with an exquisite lace trim that was tastefully stitched with a single silver thread. An intricate design, beckoning to be explored in every detail. Owen's body was lightly tanned and, like Rose's, fit. His embrace was warm and comforting. He held Rose the way one might hold a newborn baby, delicately, tenderly and protectively. They kissed and caressed and explored and knew. The intimacy intensified as they removed each other's underwear, still savouring the scent on each other's skin, seduced by the threshold that would soon be crossed.
and the savouring turned to rapture until they were spent, satisfied and secure in each other's embrace. Rose stayed over that night. Their bond fused. Each was now a part of the other. Next morning, Owen offered her a change of clothes. His wardrobe was neatly organised, with dedicated places for Levi's 501s, polo shirts and plain coloured sweaters. A drawer for socks, a drawer for boxers, a rack for shoes and a safe. The safe was the only thing that looked out of place. Rose took some socks, a polo shirt and a pair of boxers and went to the bathroom to shower and change. Meanwhile, Owen was preparing breakfast, scrambled eggs on toast, which was just about ready by the time Rose made her way to the kitchen. My polo shirt looks good on you. Even though it was too big, it looked nice on Rose, as she improvised by tying it in a bow at the back. She asked him why he needed a safe, and he explained that it was already in the house when he got there. She was free to use it if she wanted. It had the same code as the front door. They sat together for breakfast. Things were different now. Just being together was enough. All was right with the world. This could be one of those moments that Rose would freeze in time. Thank you for listening to this special bonus episode of the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara, sponsored by the author Lawrence Anderson. If you're interested in purchasing the book, What Owen Didn't Know, then you can go to the website enderson.com, and that's spelt E-N-D-E-R-S-E-N dot com slash what hyphen Owen hyphen didn't hyphen know. I'll also leave the link in the show notes below. Thanks for listening and I hope you have a very orgasmic day. To find out more about me and my orgasmic lifestyle, visit venusohara.org or follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash venusohara. Make sure to search for the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening, have an orgasmic week, and make sure every day is a climax.